Welcome back to Long Covid Doctor, an educational series for sufferers of Long Covid. I'm Dr Tim Robinson, formerly a family doctor, GP for 30 years, now a Long Covid specialist. This is the second part on depression and Long Covid. In part one, I talked about the symptoms, causes, and importantly, the red flags for depression, namely symptoms such as total hopelessness, complete despair, thoughts of self-harm or suicide. These symptoms really must be taken extremely seriously. If there's any suggestion of these, always seek help urgently through your family doctor, your GP. So, part two. I will talk about the treatments, management and outcomes. Check out the references and resources and links to social media in the show notes below. Just to say, any advice, diagnoses, treatments that I mention should only be considered after discussion with your own doctor or medically qualified health professional. And so here we go, part two on depression and long COVID. How do we manage depression in patients with long COVID? So firstly, it's so important that our long COVID patient understands all the causes, the reasons for depression, for validation of their condition, to defend themselves from the gaslighting critics. No, it's not all in the head. It's a physical thing, but also for acceptance of the condition. As I said in the first part, accepting a problem makes you receptive to getting help for the problem. In this case, depression. Before treating the specific problem, the depression, I think it's important that those other long COVID symptoms that our patients are troubled by are treated as best they can be. As these symptoms contribute to the overall problem of depression and the sense of well-being. So very briefly, if you have mast cell activation symptoms, MCAS, just look at the uh, presentation I've given on this, just to get up to date with this, but MCAS symptoms such as rashes, food intolerances, change of bowel habit, congestion, those patients need to have those symptoms addressed. So with for that, you know, they need to have H1, H2 blockers. If the patient's got dysautonomia and POTS, palpitations, they need to be checked out and, and probably prescribed beta, beta blockers. If they've got COVID grip, chest pain, colchicine will help that, with that. If they've got breathlessness, BPD training will help. If they've got a worsening of their migraines or, or new-onset migraines or headaches, perhaps a trial of, of amitriptyline uh, on a regular basis will help that. Other common symptoms that need to be addressed prior to moving on to treatment of the depression, more specifically, um, joint pains, muscle pains due to connective tissue inflammation, Night sweats, maybe the patient needs a trial of, of HRT to help with night sweats. Indigestion, 
acid reflux, a proton pump inhibitor drug to dampen down that specific symptom, nausea and vomiting. Or maybe they need a course of prochlorperazine or metoclopramide to dampen down that that sort of unrelenting nausea that is quite common in long COVID. So having addressed those other long COVID symptoms, it's now onto the specific approaches and treatments for long COVID depression itself. Initially, we should consider the sort of self-help approaches. For someone with depression, it's important to ask, what is it that lowers their mood? What causes their depression, if possible? Any of those sort of trigger factors, precipitating factors that that lowers the mood. Try to think about it and write it down, the specific things that have triggered it. Bring it out into the open. It's always preferable to bury it, burying it. Writing things down always helps to unpick problems. It makes them easier to understand. It clarifies the situation. The solution may be obvious. But even if the solution isn't obvious, you have a clearer picture that you can explain better to a trusted carer, a family member or medical professional. Talking through feelings and emotions can help depression. Remember the old saying, a problem shared is a problem halved. What other self-help strategies are there? As depression obviously overlaps with, uh, often overlaps with anxiety, techniques that tackle anxiety may be helpful. So, I cover this more fully in my presentation on anxiety, but basically practices like mindfulness is recommended by NICE guidelines, National Institute of of uh, Clinical Excellence, Health and um, Clinical Excellence, um, for depression uh, and the prevention of it returning. So it's in the NICE guidelines. It must be right. Um, it aims to get the patient to focus on the now. That's what mindfulness is all about. It aims to get the patient to focus on now. Not the past. That's where depression may stem from. Not the future. That's where anxiety may stem from. So that's why mindfulness is good for both anxiety and depression. Many There are many respectable uh published studies that show that reduction in stress and anxiety and depression with mindfulness is certainly valid. So it's not all in the head, it's not all woo-woo. Mindfulness can be learned from self-help books, from YouTube videos, or best of all, by using an app on your mobile phone. So you could download either Headspace or Calm, uh, which is relatively cheap and handy to do. Other strategies uh, consider mind-body techniques, also backed up by research studies. So yoga, tai chi, mind-body. They incorporate focus and calm and breath control. 
coordination and general body conditioning. And then there's also herbal treatment for depression. Sir John's wort, you may well have heard of, which you can get over the counter in pharmacies or health food shops. There's some evidence that it helps with mild to moderate depression. But beware, beware of interactions with conventional medicines, such as anticonvulsants, anticoagulants, antidepressants themselves, and the oral contraceptive pill. It makes them all less effective. Also, it's not safe in pregnancy and breastfeeding, according to the NHS website. Also, active ingredients vary between individual brands and batches, so you've got to be sure as to what you're getting. And so, St John's wort generally is not recommended by doctors for all those reasons above, but more importantly because depression is a condition that should be taken really seriously um, and discussed with your GP, rather than just DIY, do-it-yourself treatment. That's my feeling. However, we can't stop patients choosing their own options, nor should we. We can advise, but we have to hope that they choose wisely and that they check the small print and run it past their own doctor if they're not sure. And also stop them if they're not helping or causing adverse effects. So that's self-help strategies for depression. And now it's on to help available from health professionals. So firstly, here in England, obviously, we've in the NHS, we've got Talking Therapies, a program that delivers evidence-based, nice, recommended um, psychological therapies for anxiety and depression. Talking Therapies involves the patient and a therapist or practitioner working together as a team. Talking therapies are accessed directly or by self-referral um, or through your GP, family doctor or hospital specialist. Talking therapies are provided both face-to-face but also via video or phone link, either one-to-one or in groups. Talking therapies provide a range of options appropriate to this specific mental health problem, and they can include counselling or psychotherapy or CBT or IBT. CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, aims to help explore and change unhelpful patterns of thinking and behaviour. IPT, Interpersonal Therapy, focuses on relationships and the ability to connect and communicate with others. So these are all the, the um, therapies that and options that are open to and offered by Talking Therapies. And then there's prescribed medicines from the family doctor, from the GP for depression. So there's antidepressant medicines, 
They're licensed specifically for treatment of depression. There are many types of antidepressants available, but the most effective and, uh, if you like, cleanest, least side effects, and the most widely prescribed antidepressants these days are the SSRIs, which stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors. These work on increasing serotonin levels in the brain. I've talked about serotonin in part one, the happy chemical. So SSRIs increase the levels. And remember the study that I talked to you, told you about in part one, where they found that in patients with long COVID, the circulating serotonin levels are reduced. So if they're reduced, that leads to depression. So therefore, what do we want to do? We want to increase those circulating serotonin levels, the happy chemical. So the first SSRI uh, was released, what, 20 years ago or so, or more, um, uh, was Prozac, fluoxetine. Other commonly prescribed are Siroxat, um, that's the trade name for paroxetine, and Cipramil, which is the trade name for citalopram. Certainly when I was in general practice, citalopram was my preferred uh, SSRI, and I saw it uh, being extremely useful, helpful in many, many patients that I treated for depression. Those SSRIs have fewer side effects than the older antidepressants, but they may have side effects such as nausea, headaches, and dry mouth. No drug is without side effects. Other newer groups followed on from SSRIs. Um, the one that followed on directly was SNRIs, which stands for Serotonin Noradrenaline Reuptake Inhibitors. So the two most commonly used are venlafaxine and duloxetine. But there's another group, the which were released even more recently, but probably about 10 years ago now, um, atypical tetracyclic antidepressants, the commonest of which is metazapine. All of these should be taken under the supervision of the GP, where that who is obviously responsible for prescribing them. They can be discontinued when the time is right. Obviously, with the guidance of the GP, they're not addictive, but slow, graduated reduction is needed to prevent withdrawal effects. So that is the specific targeted approach and approaches for treating long COVID-associated depression. But as I reminded you earlier, long COVID is highly complex, multi-causal, and a multi-system illness. Thus, we should also be considering all the other strategies to address the whole person, the holistic view. We need to be thinking about nutrition. We need to be thinking about sleep and mind-body. So nutrition, i.e. our diet, Preferably a Mediterranean diet, a mixed balanced diet that contains all the necessary 
minerals and vitamins, the building blocks for cellular tissue repair, as well as the anti-inflammatory antioxidants, the polyphenols. The Mediterranean diet will also contain prebiotic fiber, which will nourish your microbiota, your friendly gut bacteria. I cover this more fully in my talk on long COVID gut. A healthy gut flora is so important uh, for immune support, production of vitamins, hormones and neurotransmitters. I talked about that earlier. Serotonin, dopamine, GABA are produced uh, by the gut. Not totally, but 90% of serotonin, for example, is produced in the gut. Whilst we're on it, on, on, on nutrition, we ought to be mentioning oily fish, which is very good um, for best source of omega-3 fish oils, essential fatty acids for immune support. And finally, we should consider supplementing with vitamin D. We live high up in the northern hemisphere here, here in the UK. So we're relatively sunlight starved, especially in the winter months. So supplementing with vitamin D is, in my eyes, in my view, sensible. And personally, that's what I take. Um, along with omega-3 fish oil, yes, I have, my wife and I have fish um, usually once a week, maybe twice a week, but belt and braces, why not supplement it with omega-3 fish oil? So that's nutrition dealt with. Uh, sleep, as we know, sleep is the great healer, so refresh, repair. Uh, we've got to support the day-night cycle, circadian rhythm for release of the various restorative hormones, particularly growth hormone. We've got to think about sleep hygiene, um, strict bedtime, uh, reading a sleep-inducing novel, uh, not watching, looking at your mobile or screens an hour before lights out. Um, they emit blue light, of course, um, which is arousing, unlike pink light, which is relaxing. Um, if you find it difficulty getting off to sleep, you can always try pyroton, chlorphenamine, the first generation, antihistamine, which is sedative effects, or magnesium. There are some studies to show that magnesium helps with insomnia. And then melatonin. Uh, you can get that over the counter or online. All safe, tried and tested. Obviously, read the small print. Um, I cover all this in greater detail in my sleep disturbance um, presentation, sleep disturbance in long COVID presentation. And then I think it's impo so important to tackle worries and anxieties and sort of overactive mind, the fight and flight, excess adrenaline, sympathetic re response, overdrive. And we need to tackle this with mind-body techniques. And I, I talked about this I talked about mindfulness and yoga and Tai Chi earlier. So, um, and finally, you know, just thinking holistically, a whole body, a whole person, the general view in, in dealing with long COVID, we mustn't forget 
to apply the sort of the fatigue management strategies, planning, pacing, uh, prioritizing. So pacing, the process of balancing activity, that's physical, mental and, and emotional activity with rest. Pacing gives you awareness of your limitations, knowing your limitations, knowing your baseline to work out, uh, you know, to work towards and not beyond, not too little, not too much. So you can plan how you use your energy most efficiently and most effectively. Basically, pacing means no more pushing through. It's stop. That's enough. I cover this more fully in my talk on long COVID fatigue. Besides all this general advice, there are a few trusted resources for long COVID. That's your, your COVID recovery. This is an NHS England website, self-help patient resource for symptoms, uh, information and self-management. Then there's the Royal College of Occupational therapists which have a number of which has a number of resources there so references to those are in the show notes below so that concludes the second part of my talk on depression with long covid following on for the first part earlier i hope you found that helpful um, check out the references and resources as i mentioned just a minute ago um, and the links to social media in the show notes below. As I mentioned at the start, any advice, diagnoses and treatments that I mention should only be considered after discussion with your own GP or qualified health professional. And as I said earlier, remember what I said about red flags for depression. Symptoms such as total hopelessness, complete despair, thoughts of self-harm or suicide. These symptoms really, really must be taken extremely seriously. Seek urgent advice through your own family doctor, your GP, or bringing um, NHS helplines, depending on the level of concern. So, in the meantime, I wish you well. I wish you well in your recovery from long COVID. Cheerio. Cheerio.